Good afternoon. Our text that we're going to be in today is 1 Kings 18. We'll spend most of our, our time there, but we will also be uh, going to Nehemiah 2 at some point as well. So if you want to find that and mark that uh, for later on, you can do that as well. Uh, before we get started, let me pray uh, one more time. Lord, we thank you for this to come together. that we might be encouraged, that we might remember to pray more often, that it would cause us to come to you in times of rejoicing, times of sorrow, times of need. We ask these things in your name. Amen. I want to preface this as Trevor mentioned that this sermon is primarily at myself, that I have not arrived in my prayer life. I think if we're all honest with one another that not many of us are there. He gave some statistics about the average amount of time that, that we Christians spend in prayer, and it was, it was bleak about the amount of time that, that we as Christians uh, spend in prayer. But if, if you are and uh, But if that's not you, and you do pray, large amounts of time. We, I thank you. You're making an eternal impact, and I hope that today's sermon will, will bolster you, will encourage you to even pray uh, even more. Uh, Trevor, two weeks ago, referenced or preached from James 5, uh, and he encouraged us to pray more. And it was a good reminder and encouragement for us to pray, to pray not in just times of, of need or sorrow or sickness, but also to, to pray and, and give God praises in times of, of joy and, and victory. And that, in that passage and in his sermon, he talked about Elijah in 1 Kings. And he referenced, and we, we went to the, this passage in 1 Kings 18. And in that passage in James 5, it says that Elijah was a man that had a nature uh, just like, like we have. So we're going to look a little closer at that passage today. So also when I think about prayer, I think about the passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And it often comes to mind. Paul writes and, and tells us to... Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. And so the question that I often have is how do we do that? How do we, how do we pray without ceasing? How can we give thanks in everything and rejoice all, always? Uh, the truth is we should carve out time and seek daily to, to, to spend time in, in long periods of prayer. And as Trevor mentioned, start with maybe 10 minutes and look to kind of increase the amount of time that you spend in prayer. We can come together, we can, we can pray together on Thursday nights or soon Sunday evenings. We can come together and pray with one another as a church or other, other believers. We can, we can have those prolonged periods of prayer together. But seasons of life might make this difficult for us. I think uh, just particularly me with, with young kids, sometimes finding prolonged periods, quiet periods to be able to pray, to pray for long times is, is hard. Um, you might be busy or school. Uh, there's just, just different circumstances that, that kind of distract us or, or limit our time that we can spend in prayer. Uh, some of it is that we're just not very disciplined either. That, that as Trevor said, we preoccupy ourselves with, with, you know, maybe we get out our phones or we spend a lot of time watching television or uh, doing other things, and, and we don't prioritize 
uh, prayer in our life. But I want to explore a method of prayer that can help us pray more often, to help us to pray uh, with ceasing, without ceasing, uh, and spend uh, more time uh, praying outside of those long, prolonged times of prayer. So we're going to look at a couple passages in the Old Testament, uh, one that I will hope encourage you to pray more often, and then one of them that is an example of prayer that I hope that we seek to, to do more often. So today's big idea is this. It says, um, let us be encouraged to pray more often because God is always powerful. God is all-powerful and always present. I'll say that again. Uh, let us be encouraged to pray more often because God is all-powerful and always present. Before we read this passage in 1 Kings 18, uh, let's kind of go over a little bit of the context of first, the books of 1 Kings and 2 Kings. Um, first and 2 Kings was written um, to explain to Israel um, kind of, it was, a, it was a historical narrative, but it kind of gave them some of the reasons that they went into exile. So it was written at a time maybe right before they would uh, come back into the promised land or right after they promised land. And they were kind of trying to deal with the reasons why why they were exiled from the land in the first place. So this is a historical account uh, of that time before exile. But we see Israel, will they'll, they'll frequently, they'll go through these cycles uh, where they, they turn away from God and they turn back to him. And they, they kind of repeat the cycle over and over throughout their history. But one of these times when they turn away from, from God, they, we see that they turn to the Canaanite god, Baal. And Baal was thought to be the god of rain. He controlled storms and also uh, fertility. But they believed that, that Baal, I mean, he wasn't the all-powerful god. He submitted to other gods as well. And one of those gods that he submitted to was the god Mott. He was the god of death. So they believed that, that Baal would sometimes rule during the rainy season when the, when the ground was fertile and, and bringing, bringing forth plants and crops, that he was in control at that point. But then Mott would come along and bring about the dryness and bring about death, and he would have to, he would have to step away and let Mott rule at that time. And it's against this background that the writer of First and Second Kings uh, writes these accounts in First Kings 18 to show that the people that uh, the, the people of Israel, that God, the one that they have covenanted with, that He is the one and only and true God. In First Kings 17, we see that Elijah predicts that there will be a drought, and it would continue until Elijah, who was authorized by God, says it could stop. And the writer of First and Second Kings is confronting. This view that Baal is the one that controls the rain and the storms. Uh, that, and Baal was life. But the reality was it was the God of Israel who was in control of the rain and the storms. It was he who had authority over, over life and brought forth abundance and fruit and, and the crops. And even the name Elijah, it means, his name means the Lord is the one true God. It's going to show Israel and remind them that their God is God alone, and he has authority and the power. Uh, in 1 Kings 17, 2 through, 2 through 7, we also see that during the severe, the severe droughts, when there, was, when there was little food, little supply, Elijah is supernaturally and providentially sustained by being fed by some ravens, right? So God orchestrated ravens to come and feed, feed Elijah to sustain him. In verses 8 through 16, we meet a widow who had, who had little food, who had, had a son, but had little else, and she was just scraping by. 
And, and the widows in that time, they would have relied on tithes of, that people would bring through their, their offering of food um, as a means to be able to, to be sustained and to have food to eat and to live. And this is her situation when she meets Elijah. She's got very little. Elijah assures her that if she were to feed him, that her supply of food would not be exhausted. And despite having very little, she trusts in God and in Elijah's word. And it says that she ate for many days and that her food and her oil supply uh, was, was never exhausted. And it's, and it's again here that we see it is God who provides and sustains life. Baal is unable to provide food and rain in order for the crops to grow, but the God of Israel is able to sustain them, provide food, sustain life, despite there being no, no rain. Later on in 1 Kings 17, in the midst of providing food and, and life and continuing to provide for the, the widow and Elijah, the widow's son dies, distraught and believing that it's because of her sin, and she blames Elijah for reminding God of her sin. Elijah, restore, Elijah, through the power of God, restores the boy to life. In this situation, God proved that he is the one true God, the one who has power over life and death, unlike Baal. Baal, well, like I said, was, he was thought to be the God of life, fertility, and had to submit to, to the Mot, the God of death, the God of Israel. The one true God submits to no other. So with that background, let's turn to 1 Kings 18. We'll read verses 20 through 46. Um, it says, So Ahab sent a message along among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I am I alone left a prophet of the Lord. I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen, and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox, lay it on the wood, and I will not put a fire under it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, That is a good idea. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one ox for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many. And call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. Then they took the ox which was given them, and they prepared it, and called the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they made. It came about noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he is a god. Either he is occupied or gone aside, or is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and needs to be awakened. So they cried with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out on them. When midday was passed, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near, near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. So with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, 
fill the four pitchers with three with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the on the wood. And he said, "Do it a second time." And they did it a second time. And he said, "Do it a third time." And they did it a third time. The water flowed around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, "O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant." And I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Now Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go back seven times. It came about that the seventh time that he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord went on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. So there's going to be three, three points today and three encouragements for us to pray and pray more often. Now, they're not anything I would consider profound, but they may serve as good reminders, help kind of reinforce our, our, our belief for us to be encouraged to pray. So the first point is to be encouraged by God's matchless power. Be encouraged by God's matchless power. Uh, looking back, we see God's matchless power in 17 with God bringing forth uh, the drought. Uh, seeing his power over our storms and rain. We see his ability to sustain Elijah by feeding him through the ravens, sustaining the widow, and even bringing back uh, the widow's uh, son to life. And we also see his absolute power here in chapter 18 as well. Uh, Elijah gathers the prophets of Baal, and he gathers the people of Israel, and poses a test of sorts to try to show the people of, who, of Israel who is God alone who was the one true God, who was alone worthy of worship. And this was the test. They would each select an ox, uh, cut it up, prepare it for sacrifice, prepare an altar, but they weren't supposed to put a fire under the ox or, or under the altar. Whichever God would answer with fire would show them who the one true God was. So to avoid accusations of trickery or unfairness, uh, Elijah allowed the prophets of Baal to, to select an ox. They got to pick the the choicest of, of the, the, the ox. They did this and prepared their ox. And then they began to call out for Baal. And it says that they began, began calling out for him in the morning. And nothing happened. They continued on until noon. And again, nothing happened. And they continued on for hours and hours. And this went on through the afternoon and into the evening at the time of, of, for the evening sacrifice. Having waited all this time, Elijah Given them plenty of time, gave Baal chance after chance to, to bring down fire from heaven. 
And then Elijah begins to prepare his altar. And he repairs the altar of the Lord, picking 12 stones which represent the tribes of Israel. And Elijah also instructs that the trench be built around the altar and has the ox cut into pieces and then the the ox placed upon, uh, upon the wood. He takes it even further. He instructs the people to take pitchers of water and pour it on top of the sacrifice as well. He has them do this three times, and it was so much water that the trench that was dug around the altar was, was filled with water. But in doing this, he also prevented the, the, the prophets of Baal of, uh, of accusing him of trickery again, and uh, that he had kind of some, some trick up his sleeve that would, that would cause, that cause fire to come from the altar. In verses 36 and 37 of chapter 18, It says, At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that his people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their heart back again. And then after Elijah prayed this, it says that the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, and all the water that had been poured over and around the altar, it was, it was all gone. Now that takes a special act of God for that to happen, that God rained down fire from heaven. His matchless power was put up against Baal, and God here was shown that he is the one, the one true God. If you remember, Baal was thought to control lightning, but he was unable to bring down fire to con- consume his prophet's sacrifice. And, and there was 450 of them, and and there was just one of Elijah. So, you know, it wasn't for a lack of, it wasn't uh, enough of them. It wasn't um, enough effort on their part compared to Elijah. But God brought down, he brought down fire. And then even so that it couldn't be confused with the work of Baal even more, he consumed not only the wood, not the, the ox, the water, but also the very stones that were, that were used to build the altar were, were burnt up as well. And in doing this, he's showing that it's not even a natural phenomenon. It wasn't by chance that maybe lightning struck or, or maybe Baal was just, he missed his mark or anything like that. But that it was an act of God, that it was actually God who, who brought down this fire from heaven and revealed his, his unmatchless power. Event after event in verse, 1 Kings 17 through 18 reveals this matchless power of God. He controls the rain. He sustains life. He brings people back to life from the dead. He can bring fire from from heaven. Baal, nor any other god, has powers to do this. And it's God alone. And this is the God that we pray to. There is no situation, no problem too big for him, and not under his control. And that's that's encouraging to to me, I hope to you as well. Our God reigns and is in control of all things. So when there is difficulty, when there's sickness, when there's struggle, temptation, we can bring that before God. And if there's victory, if there's times of rejoicing, we can also go to God before him and praise him because he has ordained those things. So be encouraged. Lift up our prayer requests and our praises to the God who is omnipotent, who reigns over all and is in control of all things. So the second thing that we see here, and that should be encouraging to us, is that, that be encouraged that God is always present. 
and be encouraged that God is always present. When we look at 1 Kings 18, we see another difference here between the false god Baal and that of God. In an attempt to get Baal to answer their prayers, they spend hours petitioning and praying to him to try to get him to bring down fire from heaven. It started in the morning, continued to the afternoon, and then even into the evening hours. But Baal was unable or didn't bring fire from heaven. We even see Elijah even mock the prophets of Baal. In verses uh, 27, he says, It came about noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he is a god. Either he is occupied or gone aside or is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and needs to be awakened. He told them that maybe they should be a little louder. Maybe their god is, is asleep or, and he can't hear them. Or maybe he's doing something else. He's preoccupied. He, he can't concern himself with them at that time. Or maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he just stepped away for a little bit. Or maybe, maybe, maybe he's not in control. Maybe Mott's in control at that, at that point. Or maybe there's another God who is, who is ruling at that time. But if their God were real, this, this shouldn't be, if their God were real, this wouldn't be a concern of, or an issue for them. Those things should never be an issue with a God if they were real. And Elijah's quick prayer, one in which he spent little time in prayer, shows that is not the case for the God of Israel. And this is the reality for us as Christians. Our God, who is the one true God, the God with matchless power, who never slumbers, he's never too preoccupied, he's never stepped away from his duties, he's not tied up with other things that are, that are too big for him, and, and our situation's never too small for him, for, for him to be concerned with us. No, he remembers us. He doesn't forget us. He is there. And there are some who even believe that, that there is a God, that he has created everything, that he has created the universe, but that he doesn't interact or intervene with mankind. But this is not the God that we see in, in the Bible. God hears us when we pray. God is infinite. His power is matchless, but he is personal, and he interacts with us, and he hears us. He is far greater than anything that exists, but interacts, intervenes for us. And we can worship him, we love him, and we can pray to him. Think about that. The God of the universe, the God of creator of all things, hears us. He's never too busy for us. He's never too exhausted. He's never too, too caught up in other things. It means we can come to him at any time. Morning, evening, middle of the night, whenever. It's not a bad time to go to God in prayer. We can go to him, and he hears us. I don't know if you ever heard people say things like, you're not going to God, bother God with that request, are you? Or, don't you think that God has bigger things to worry about? Those things are so far from the truth. There's nothing too small. There's, there's not anything that we should be ashamed to bring before, before God. He is infinite. His power is matchless. As Joshua said last week, we can be confident also that God hears us because of the work of Christ and salvation. He is our high priest. He has ascended to the, th- the right hand of God the Father, and he intercedes for us. And because of Christ, because of his work, we can boldly enter the presence of God in prayer at any time. What a wonderful truth that is, that we, that we have access to, to God the Father all the time. So I hope this truth, that God that is always present, that he's near to us, encourages us and assures us that we can turn to God and pray anytime, anywhere, any place, in any situation, whether big or small, we can come before, before God. 
The third thing that we should be encouraged by is to be encouraged with the simplicity and the brevity that prayer can be. Be encouraged with the simplicity and brevity that prayer can be. Uh, sometimes, I don't know, I'm kind of intimidated, intimidated by prayer. Uh, I, might, I say things like, I can't pray for that long. Or, what do I pray about? I don't know what to say. Um, those are some of the thoughts that come to mind that might come to your mind as well. Uh, there's things that we can do. You know, we talk about the Acts prayer of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication that kind of helps uh, guide us and, and direct us in our prayer or, or praying through Scripture at times to help us kind of uh, pray through things and, and, and pray a little longer. But also sometimes when I have to pray in public, it's a little intimidating. Um, you know, I'm sometimes like the hypocrites and, and in the Sermon on the Mount when I'm kind of more concerned sometimes about how I sound or I don't sound as good as other people when I, when I pray and I, I get embarrassed. But the, the truth is that prayer doesn't have to be long and, and it doesn't matter how we sound. It doesn't have to be complex. Look at the prophets of Baal and, and compared to that of Elijah. By all accounts, the prophets of Baal, they were, they were good prayers. They spent large amounts of time in prayer, hours in prayer. From morning till evening, they spent time in prayer. But also, they were not just spending time in prayer. They were very, very intense as well, right? They cut themselves. They were dancing around. They were frenzied. They, it says that they, that they raved. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever prayed that, that intensely. I definitely never cut myself in prayer. We don't... Um, but by all accounts, that they, they prayed, and they prayed hard. But despite their intensity, their hard effort, their, the amount of time that they spent in prayer, the prayers were unsuccessful. And that's what happens when you pray to the false, false gods. But now let's consider the prayer of Elijah in verses 36 and 37. Uh, it says, At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. Elijah's prayer here was quick. It maybe took, what, maybe 30 to 45 seconds to pray the prayer. It's definitely not as intense as the prophets of Baal. Well, I wouldn't consider anything real, real intense. But it was successful because he prayed to the one true God who has all power, who is always present. Will we have times of longer prayer? Yeah, and we should seek to spend, spend more time for prolonged periods of prayer. And there's going to be times in our life when we come with more intense and fervent prayers, if there's difficult situations, if there's sickness, if there's intense times of, of stress. But we should be encouraged, too, that we can pray Short, simple prayers as well. Consider the passage in Matthew 6, 5 through 15 that was read earlier. It instructs us not to heap up empty phrases, not, and it tells us to avoid meaningless repetition in prayer. We don't have to continue to pray the same thing over and over again, hoping that somehow, if we say or ask something enough, that God's going to finally give in to, to our request, that he's going to get 
he's going to get tired and, and kind of finally relent and say, all right, yeah, you're gonna, I'm going to grant that to you, right? He's not like me with my children who ask for candy or ice cream and they just continue to do it until I break down and I, I give in. No, we don't have to do that with God. We can come before him, make our requests known, and then, and then be done. And consider also the model prayer that Jesus gives his disciples and he teaches them how to pray. It's a brief, short prayer. Makes the requests known. And it's not long at all. Spurgeon, he says, I believe it is very suitable to some persons of a peculiar temperament who cannot pray for a long time to save their lives. Their minds are rapid and quick. Well, dear friends, time is not an element in the business. God does not hear us because of the length of our prayer, but because of the sincerity of it. Prayer is not to be measured by the yard nor weighed by the pound. It is not the might and force of it, the truth and reality of it, the energy and intensity of it. You that are either of so little of a mind or of so quick a mind that you cannot use many words or continue long to think of one thing, it should be your comfort that, prayer, that short prayers are acceptable. And it may be, dear friend, that you are in a condition of body in which you cannot pray any other way. A headache, such as some people are frequently affected with the major part of their lives, a state of body which the physician can explain to you might prevent the mind from concentrating itself long upon one subject. Then it is refreshing to be able to, again and again and again, 50 or 100 times a day, to address oneself in God, to God in short, quick sentences, the soul being all on fire. This is a blessed style of praying. So Christian, we can be confident bringing any prayer, long or short, to God who is unmatched in his power and is always present and will hear you. Let's quickly turn to uh, Nehemiah 2 and we'll see example, another example of this prayer as well. I'm going to read uh, Nehemiah 2 verses 1 through 6. And it says, And it came about in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when, this, when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate, and its gates have been consumed by fire. Then the king said to me, What would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I said to the king, If it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, The queen sitting beside him, How long, how long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definite, definite time. So this, at this point, Israel is in exile. Nehemiah is serving King Artaxerxes in his court. And no doubt that Nehemiah wanted to return to his, to his homeland, the land of his, his forefathers. And there's no doubt in my mind also that he had prayed for that to happen. That up until this time, we see here in, in Nehemiah 2, Nehemiah had prayed to God that for, for him to return to his prom, the, the land of his fathers. And it was weighing on him so much that it was, you could see on his face that, that something was wrong. And the king asked him what was wrong and asked him what he wanted. And in that moment, despite having 
prayed for this moment for, for, for some time. It says that Nehemiah prayed to God then. In that moment, when it looks like maybe potentially his prayer was going to be answered, he was still dependent upon God. Spurgeon also says, uh, um, this, he has a sermon on Nehemiah 2. It's, very, it's really good. I, I encourage you to read it um, if you're able to. But he says, well, very briefly, what is what we call, and this is Spurgeon's words, ejaculatory prayer. Prayer, which as it were, hurls a dart and then it is done. It was not the prayer which stands knocking at mercy's door, knock, knock, knock. But it was the concentration of many knocks into one. It was begun and completed, as it were, with one stroke. This prayer I desire to commend you to you as among the very best forms of prayer. Notice how very short it must have been. It was introduced and slipped in, sandwiched in, between the king's question and Nehemiah's answer. And as I have already said, I do not suppose it took up any time at all that was appreciable, scarcely a second. And he goes on to say, short prayers are a great use to us, dear friends. Oftentimes they check us. Bad-tempered people, if you were always to pray just a little before you let your angry exp- expressions fly from your lips, why many times you would not say those naughty words at all. I can recommend it as a valuable prescription for the hasty and the peevish. For all who are quick to take offense and slow to forgive insult or injury. When in business you are about to close in with an offer about the propriety of which you have a little doubt, or positive scruple, such a prayer as, Guide me, good Lord, would often keep you back from doing what you will afterwards regret. The habit, habit of offering these brief prayers would also check your confidence in yourself. It would show you your dependence upon God. It would keep you from getting worldly. It would be like sweet perfume burnt in the chamber of the soul to keep away the fever of the world from your heart. I can strongly recommend these short, sweet, blessed prayers. May the Holy Ghost give them to you. So, how can we pray continuously? How can we pray without ceasing? I believe it is through these, these short prayers that we, can, that we can give up throughout the day. That when different situations arise, we can come before God, we can, we can petition him, we can make our requests for, to him known. How might this look for us? Let's say you get up in the morning, you're tired, you're weary, you've hit your snooze too many times, you don't have time to, to spend praying, but you can send, spend a short amount of time, make a, make a prayer request, ask God to, to give you strength to, to make it through the day, to, to resist temptation in your, in your tired state. Maybe you're dropping off your kids at school. You, send a, you say a prayer for them. You say a prayer for the teachers, you, for the other kids in the church. Maybe there's a, uh, as you go to work, you can thank God for your job, or you can pray that you would honor, the way in, honor God with the way that you would work. But also maybe you think, think about all those who have jobs in the church and you pray for them. There's going to be different situations as you go through the day that the Holy Spirit might give you that, that recalls certain, certain people, that, that makes you think of the church, that makes you think of, of, of missionaries or, or issues in society that we can come before God and we can make a short, quick prayer to him. Maybe it's as we are in the doctor's office and you're waiting for, uh, to go see the doctor. You have an appointment. And instead of getting on your phone and scrolling through social media, you pray. Maybe it's, you have some time, downtime at home. Uh, not much, but then you could 
instead of flipping through the channels, uh, you, you pray. Uh, just find those down times throughout your day that you can, can offer uh, short, simple prayers to God. So I hope you are encouraged today that, that this method of prayer, that, that the short, quick prayers, that those something that we can employ to help us to become, to, to have a more vital, to, to spend more time in prayer. Again, we should seek to, to find time to have, have long periods of prayer. But if, if, that's, if you can't, or in, in addition to that, I hope that you would seek to, to employ this, these short, quick prayers in your life as well. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you that, that we do have access to you, that through Christ that we can enter the throne room, that we can come to you in prayer. Lord, I, may, I pray that that would be true of our lives, that we, would, that we would seek to do that, that we would seek to pray in every situation, that we would not be confident in ourselves, but that we would make our requests known to you, that we would praise you in the circumstances that when you deserve praise, and that you would help increase our, our prayer life. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.